Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Yehovah has instructed us to take a pleasure trip, and my heart's desire is to follow his instructions. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And yay, road trip. I know I'm going. Amen, Mama. Me too. Now, if you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our listeners in Oregon and South Africa. Listen out for Red Pill Torah on a radio station near you. So now, we enter into the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I'm not talking about Christmas, New Year's Day, or Super Bowl Sunday. I'm talking about Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, if you've been journeying with us for a while, you know that Leviticus 23 tells us all about Elohim's calendar. Now, any time that the Creator designates as a holy day should be holy to His people. In this chapter, Elohim names the months by numbers, and His designation of the months doesn't line up with the Gregorian calendar. When Elohim says the seventh month, He isn't talking about July. For more on the difference between Elohim's new year and the world's new year, check out Red Pill Torah episode 21, God's New Year. That's a good podcast. It reminds us to stay in sync with the Creator's calendar so we can follow Him more closely. Mm -hmm. It's not like the Gregorian calendar is sinful. The problem comes in when we apply the world's timing to what Jehovah's doing. I guess we need to be proficient with two calendars. The Gregorian calendar helps us to relate to others as we transact business, and Jehovah's calendar aligns us to His timing. Here's what Leviticus 23 says about Sukkot. Starting at verse 39. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the produce of the land, you are to observe the festival of Jehovah seven days. The first day is to be a complete rest, and the eighth day is to be a complete rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit, palm fronds, thick branches, and river willows, and celebrate in the presence of Jehovah Eloheinu, Jehovah your Elohim, for seven days. Tim, that sounds like a party. Mama, you said it. Verse 41 continues, You are to observe it as a feast to Jehovah, seven days in the year. It is a permanent regulation, generation after generation. Keep it in the seventh month. You are to live in Sukkot for seven days. Every citizen of Israel is to live in a sukkah, so that generation after generation you will know that I made the people of Israel to live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Jehovah your Elohim. Mama, there's another scripture that speaks to the men in particular about our responsibilities during the holy times. Do you remember that one? I sure do, Daddy. I remember it well because you lead the way in doing this every year. Exodus 23, starting at verse 14 says, Three times a year you are to observe a festival for me. Keep the feast of unleavened bread for seven days as I ordered you. You are to eat matzah at the time determined in the month of Aviv, for it was in that month that you left Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Yep, that's the one, Mama. 
The next is the Festival of Harvest, which we know as Shavuot or Pentecost, which is the first fruits of your wheat harvest. And the last one is the Festival of Ingathering, which is called Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's when you gather in from the fields the results of your efforts in the fruit harvest. Verse 17 says, Three times a year all your men are to appear before the Lord, Yehovah. The Creator specifically called out to the men of Israel to meet with Him three times per year. Now, if a believing man is not Jewish or of Hebrew descent by birth, he is grafted into the tree and the people of Israel. Check out our podcast numbers 4 and 5 for more on what it means to be grafted in. In short, it means that the believing men have appointments with your Creator. This last one is an invitation to an annual party. The theme of the party is rehearsing for the wedding supper of the Lamb, the greatest party that ever will be. Tim, remember the story in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 through 24? Mm. In that story, many people were invited to a celebration, but they gave excuses. They said, I just bought land, or I just bought some oxen, or I just got married, so I can't make it. The king, who invited them, grew angry when he heard the excuses. So he told his servant, go out to the country roads and the boundary walls and insistently persuade people to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Mama, I do remember that story. Now, why do you bring that one up? Well, it reminds me of how important it is that you are leading our family into these holy times. We need our men to rise up and to make the instructions of Jehovah their priority. Mm. I feel that our men have been robbed of their rightful place of honor because they have not been taught why the Father's calendar is relevant to them. Because our men have largely been oblivious to the Father's invitation, they have missed out on the blessings that come with obedience. Here at Red Pill Torah, we are following God's instructions and being that servant that's inviting people to come in so that our master's house will be full. I agree with you, Mama. Luke chapter 14 talks about a king's celebration and how he felt about the people who spurned his invitation. Zechariah 14 gives a prophecy about the Feast of Tabernacles after the return of Yeshua. Starting at verse 16, it says, Everyone remaining from all the nations that came to attack Jerusalem will go up every year to worship the king, Yehovah Tsevaot, and to keep the festival of Sukkot. If any of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Yehovah Tsevaot, no rain will fall on them. If the family of Egypt doesn't go up, if they refuse to come, they will have no annual overflow from the Nile River. Moreover, there will be the plague with which Jehovah will strike the nations that don't go up to keep the festival of Sukkot. This will be Egypt's punishment and the punishment of all the nations that don't go up to keep the festival of Sukkot. And who is Jehovah Sebaot? That's Yeshua. All right. Amen. Now, as we read the scripture, we are reminded of our fallen nature and our tendency to reject Jehovah's instructions. Now is a great time to Teshuvah, to turn back to the ways of our Father, or our Heavenly Father. Sukkot is a time of celebration and rejoicing before our God because of His provision 
his salvation. Yah is with us, and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is also strong evidence that Yeshua was born during the holiday of Sukkot. So this is a great time to play beautiful Messiah birthday music. Hmm. There are so many reasons to rejoice before our Elohim in this season. This is an easy invitation to accept. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Yehovah spoke of a sign to the king of Judah. He said, Yehovah himself will give you people a sign. A young woman will become pregnant, bear a son, and name him Emmanuel, or Elohim is with us. Now compare that prophecy about Elohim being with us to Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne say, See, Elohim's Shekinah is with mankind, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and he himself, Elohim with them, will be their Elohim. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain, because the old order has passed away. Then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Also, he said, Write, these words are true and trustworthy. Mama, when we hear the name Emmanuel, we should think of Sukkot and its fulfillment in Revelation chapter 21. Amen, Daddy. The Gospel of John chapter 7 tells us what Yeshua was doing during Sukkot. Verse 1 and 2 says, After this, Yeshua traveled around in the Galilee, intentionally avoiding Judah, because the Judeans were out to kill him. But the feast of Sukkot in Judah was near. Yeshua sent his disciples to the celebration without him, and he went alone later. Notice that even Yeshua obeyed his father's instructions to be at Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day of Sukkot is called the last great day. Historical records document a great ceremony that involved pouring out of large amounts of water and blessing the Most High Elohim for his blessings upon Israel. John chapter 7 verse 37 through 39 says, Now on the last day of the festival, called Hoshana Rabbah, Yeshua stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his innermost being. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who trust in him were to receive later. The Spirit hadn't been given yet, because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. Tim, the connection to Shavuot is clear, but there is also a connection to Sukkot in this scripture. We see the fulfillment of this scripture in Revelation 21, verses 6 through 7. It says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Aleph Toph, or using English letters, I'm the A to Z, the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I myself will give water free of charge from the fountain of life. He who wins the victory will receive these things and I will be his God, his Elohim, and he will be my son. When Yeshua was at the Sukkot festival, he prophesied that he would give living water to all who came to him to drink. Now, we see the fountain of life in the eternal kingdom of Yehovah, with healing waters available to everyone who makes it there. When you hear about living water, remember the connection to Sukkot. 
So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and ignore the king's invitation to celebrate? Or would you take the red pill and join the party? Only you can answer that question. We urge you to celebrate with the Elohim of Israel. You don't want to reject his invitation. Sukkot is a time of joy and great rejoicing. Amen. If you haven't made plans to celebrate Sukkot, it's not too late. You can mark Sukkot by going outside of your home and into a makeshift temporary structure. If you have a tent, that can work, or you can look online for instructions and examples of how to build a sukkah. The spelling is S-U-K-K-A-H. And it can be done in your backyard, or if you have a deck, put it there. You don't have to do anything fancy. Just go into your sukkah, share a good meal with family and friends, and joyfully thank Elohim for His goodness. Spend time studying scripture and praying in your sukkah. Tim and I and my wonderful sister are traveling to a Sukkot celebration in Oklahoma. We will be living in an RV, worshiping Jehovah and camping out with other believers. It will be a great time of fellowship. I can hardly wait, Mama. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Feel free to listen to it again. Email it to a friend. Start a conversation. If you listen regularly, please send us an email letting us know how you're doing and how we can improve what we're doing. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.